This is Michael Zuber, and I just wanted to thank you for listening to my One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that I took the time to document the entire process I used to learn my market and actually still use today? I released it as a $199 online course via Teachable, and it is called How to Get Started One Rental at a Time. With that, you get access to my private Facebook group and can join our group mentoring calls every Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific. You can find it on my website at onerentalatatime.com. Now on with the show. Hey, everyone. How are you doing today? It's actually Friday morning, uh, but we wanted to make sure we did this for you. We've got Anna Kelly here for you. How are you doing, Anna? I'm great today. How are you, Michael? I'm doing very well. Thank you for giving us some time. I know you're very, very busy, so uh, we appreciate it. Thank you. So what I thought we would do in our first episode today is just kind of run down this $1.9 trillion. It's a proposal, right? It's not law. It's not even been voted on yet. But, you know, we have a new administration coming in next week. And uh, this this is kind of a day one thing for him. So uh, let me run through it. And then we can just talk about the different parts, if you don't mind. Great. So the first thing that comes out of it is uh, they're going to take the $600 kind of as a down payment for individuals. They're going to goose that up to a total of two grand. Uh, I think that was Bernie Sanders number. I was trying to figure out where two, the magic number of two grand came from, but it looks like that's where they want to take it. Uh, it will be somehow banded or focused. I'm not sure if it'll be the same way as last time, right? I think it was like, if you make under 99K, you get it or something. Uh, so I'm sure that will be talk- talked about. They're going to goose unemployment up an extra hundred, right? The 900 billion we just passed took it to 300. They're going to take it to four. So add a hundred. They're going to be extending it, I think, another 13 weeks. Uh, also, interestingly enough, they're going to, they want to bring the federal minimum wage to $15. That's interesting because I think the federal minimum today is 750, I think. Yeah. They're going to take the eviction and foreclosure moratoriums out to the end of September. They're going to give $350 billion to states. They're going to give $170 billion to, uh, I guess, primary schools, K through 12, $50 billion for testing, $20 billion for vaccines, and an additional $30 billion uh, for kind of rental assistance, kind of the small landlords, if you will. Um, so that's kind of everything that I've seen in it. Again, the total is 1.9 trillion. I think it's a day one initiative. Any, anything in that jump out at you? Well, the fact that they're extending the eviction moratorium and the forbearance to 20 September, 2021, we all know that nobody wants to be evicted at Christmas. So I, I anticipate they'll probably even extend that through the end of 2021 once we get there. Um, but that's a long time. You know, landlords have already been about a year without mm-hmm. being able to evict people who are not paying um, consistently, and, and many of which who could pay based on the extra money that they've gotten from unemployment, but are just choosing not to. So I think there's going to be a lot of pain for landlords. And with all of the other changes and fears going on and potential tax code changes and this forbearance now going out indefinitely, there are a lot of landlords who are really going to be hurting if they're not investing in, in the right asset class and type. So, you know, that's a, a negative. It really is. Although I, I know they're trying to help people. When you give so much extra unemployment per week, people can afford to pay rent. When you have CARES Act assistance, people can afford to pay rent. And so 
adding this, you know, eviction moratorium um, is is a blow to to landlords. It really is. Yeah, that was one thing that I never really understood because, you know, I'm an accountant, so my brain may think differently than most folks. But when I look at an income statement, and yes, undoubtedly, we told people to stay home, you're not essential, blah, 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 sit on the couch. Well, that income statement has two parts. There's the income side, and then there's the expense side. So we've done a, I don't know, an okay job of fixing the income side, certainly with the extra 400 if it comes through, and certainly with the 2K. So as long as the money is the same, why do we also tackle for most people their largest monthly expense, right? Which is rent and or a mortgage. And I'm like, no wonder the savings rate is so high. You've basically told everybody to save because you can't go do anything. And now you now you're re, frankly now you're rewarding behavior, right? If I have an attendant that hasn't paid rent since March. And I'm sure they're going to extend it all the way out to the end of September, right? That'll be, you know, 16 months. That's like $30,000. Right. And those tenants don't have a net worth of even $30,000. So they don't care because they know that even if you try to go after them, they don't have any money to give you. And so, you know, it's a real negative. The other thing that a lot of people don't realize is that forbearance is only for federally backed mortgages. So it's generally only for loans over a million dollars where you're getting you know, larger landlords, the mom and pop owners, which which more than 50% of landlords in the country own less than 10 units. Mm-hmm. I think I read it was something like 70% of landlords own less than 10 units. And so they typically have a small bank mortgage and they don't get to have a forbearance. And so they really become at risk of losing their property if their tenants do not pay. And so it's, it's very, very sad for yeah. the small landlord that doesn't have the other liquidity to to weather this storm and even the cares act rent assistance the tenant has to cooperate both the tenant and the landlord have to agree to apply for it Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of gotcha clauses as we've talked about before one of which is at least in the current cares act they'll pay up to 750 dollars per month and oh by the way you can't go after the tenant for the difference hmm. so if your rent is a thousand or fifteen hundred dollars a month you're still going to take you know maybe a 50 percent cut in the rent for that and a lot of people don't realize that the average landlord michael only profits nine cents for every dollar that we take in because yeah. the expenses are high when you factor in a mortgage and the taxes the insurance water sewer trash, you know, in a a lot of municipalities, average is nine cents per dollar. So if you cut out, you know, 50 cents, you're in the negative. Yeah. And again, the the landlords, especially mom and pop landlords have been asked to take so much on. Um, Not only, so even even if you had a forbearance, you still got to, you know, I had a $6,000 AC go out on that one unit. That's uh, something I had to eat. Oh, by the way, Gavin Newsom still wants his property tax money. Had to and do that's that. that's going up. Yeah, had to do that twice. And now we'll have to do that uh, at least one more time in the forbearance period. So, uh, you know, nobody's nobody's helping us is a, is a takeaway. A take and really that what that goes down to is, is landlords, you have to be extra picky today when putting a new tenant in. For sure. And you have to be very, very careful to have enough liquidity and reserves to really be able to weather these kind of storms. And if this pandemic has taught us anything, it's that. Yeah. Don't operate so lean and put so much into a property that 
you know, if somebody doesn't pay for a few months, you're hurting and you can't cover that expense. Yeah. The other thing that I was interesting to think about, I wanted to talk to you about was the federal minimum wage right now it's 750 that uh, doubling that's going to be phased in obviously probably over four or five years, but you know what intuitively what does that what do you, what, what how does that hit you what do you think about that there's a couple of things i think um they're obviously using the pandemic to usher in what they've tried to accomplish for quite some time but it is going to cause larger unemployment businesses are not going to be able to afford to pay as many people um, in those types of businesses and smaller businesses like think about Jack in the Box and McDonald's and Subway or you know any of those kind of restaurants that have um, drive-through. I mean, your cost of a burger is going to go up extensively. If their labor costs double, then the cost of, of regular commodities that are selling are going to go up significantly. So it's going to cause price inflation um, on most things that require people to, to do a job, right? And if they can't get enough consumers to come in and purchase their products at those prices, they'll have to lay off people. And so yeah. jacking up employment costs 50% when you're already in an, in, a, in an environment where you can't even have clients come into your business and they're already hurting um, because they just can't see the same number of people during this pandemic it could be devastating to many, many small businesses. And it just, it just is, is sad at, at the ripple effect that I think that's going to have. Yeah. I think there's going to be a couple of things. And I think this is like, frankly, it's very similar to rent control in my mind, right? It sounds good on paper. You pull at the heartstrings, but when you see it in practice in very short order, it hurts the exact people it's trying to help. Exactly. And that's, that's the point. It's not to say, oh, small businesses are more important than the people. But if small businesses can't keep you employed, yeah. you could have jobs that pay 15 an hour, but you might not ever get them because yeah. there's not enough jobs available that are willing to pay $15 an hour that can afford to pay $15 an hour. And it's those kind of unskilled labor that need those jobs. And those are the very jobs that are going to be hit the hardest and unable to keep people employed. Yeah. And then there's a couple of other things that kind of hit my mind. First and foremost, you, you take it up high enough, you know, just to use Jack in the box, to use your example, pretty soon, you're not going to have an individual behind there. It'll just be a, an automation assembly line of, you know, um, robots may be the wrong word, but automation. And uh -huh. you just, you know, you go up to, you go up to a menu, you push a little button, you wait and, you know, 20 minutes, 15 minutes later, it comes out on an assembly line no people involved, right? Maybe there's one person kind of managing the overall thing, but so that's one thing I think about. And the other thing as a real estate investor, I think about is, okay, right. Go to a, go to a state where it's 750 and you take it to 15 and let's just say it's four years from now. I'm like, you know what? Rents are going up. Yes, they are. Yes, right. they are. Right. Because it takes away some of that. So one of the things that the government's looking to do is, is tackle the affordability problem of housing. Mm -hmm. And so what you have to be real careful about is, will the federal government ever place rent caps? We've never seen that. It's always been a state level decision or so, sometimes big cities will make those rent cap decisions. But until the federal government has a, a federal rent cap mandate, you've now increased the um, income, doubled mm -hmm. the income of a lot of people, and therefore they can afford rent increases. And yep. 
your landlords are also having to pay people more now, right? Yeah, so of course. Yep. people that we might be able to get to do very minor, you know, clean up the, the grass and the leaves from, from your properties at 10 bucks an hour. Now that cost is going up for landlords as well. So our costs are going to go up, you know, in addition, and we're going to have to raise rent. So you want to be in conservative areas that don't have rent controls. Um, once you get to a place where you can't raise rents and taxes keep going up, rent controls is, is the real risk. Yeah. Yeah. The other things in that, you know, money for schools and testing and vaccines kind of feel like, kind of feel like right. the right things. I'm not going to argue the numbers. I don't have context. Um, but the other thing that he said in this presentation, which kind of made me shiver a little bit is this is part one of a two-step process. He wants to come back in February or at worst case March and bring another trillion or multi-trillion dollar infrastructure bill to the table. Yeah. So, you know, we're talking 10, 12% of GDP in, in more stimulus. And, and, and that's on top of 4.2 trillion last year. Right. It, it just, so you've got all these things leading toward potentially mass inflation. That's what I'm thinking. You've got, you know, you've got prices going up for goods because labor's going up. You've got a deflation. What people don't realize is inflation and pricing um, causes deflation of the dollar. So mm -hmm. it's an inverse relationship. So mm -hmm. you're printing all this money, which is going to devalue the dollar over time. Um, and you've got price inflation, which devalues the, the value of a dollar over time. So you know, I think in the long run, you're kicking the can down the road and it's going to be a big problem down the road. Yeah. The hangover from this is going to be nasty. Uh, and, and one thing I get a lot in my comments is hyperinflation. Weimar Germany's coming. I don't see that. I don't see hundred percent inflation, you know, a day, a month, a week, whatever. But yeah, I mean, we could have four or 5% inflation because of this for sure, I think. Yeah. And the other thing is, you know, not to go too off the U.S. track, but the U.N. is already talking about, um, you know, the Great Reset, which we've talked a little bit about of, mm -hmm. of capitalism, but also national debt forgiveness. And so it wouldn't surprise me if all of this accumulated debt that we're borrowing from other places or we're just printing it um, ends up at some point being wiped out and that could change things. You know, you just don't know how, how it's yeah. going to play out. But the other thing to think about is in periods of dollar devaluation and inflation of prices, owning assets is critical. So yeah. having property, having assets that are going to continue to go up in value when everything else goes up in value, your rents go up, your value goes up mm -hmm. is really, really important right now. So all these things that we don't like that are a little scary, um, the legislative risks to being landlords, that can be offset by the fact that you own assets and diversifying your assets is really important. Don't put them all in one asset type. Don't put them all in one location. Kind of mm -hmm. spread your risk around a little bit to different demographics. Um, but I'm still excited to own property. Um, none of these things are making me say, I'm out as a landlord. Mm. This is opportunity because for those that can't weather the storm and for those that are just fearful and they can't see through, how do we navigate all of this? Mm -hmm. Those are the ones that are going to sell their properties. And those are the properties that I want to buy because as, as an investor, we, we always see something 
earth shattering that we have to mitigate, right? Yeah. And this is just a new era of things that we have to think through, recognize the negatives, and then get creative about how do we mitigate that and compensate that for that and continue to move forward as investors. Yeah, the one thing I want to add on to that is another reason why I'm excited about residential properties um, and, and helping other people get residential properties because the debt's fixed. Even if even though rates have ticked up a little bit here, if you can get something with a sub four 30 year money, and if inflation ticks up to two, three, four percent in three or four years, you're going to start feeling really, really good because the debt is fixed while rents go up, while your asset goes up. Up to 10 properties, though, correct? Uh -huh. Correct, yeah. Well, yeah, given the current rules. But again, a lot of people that follow me, they're, they're just trying to get their first or second. So if, if, if you're in that boat, you know, go get your first four, which is what I talk about. And after you get four, if you like it, then go get 10. Yeah. Uh, this and is even a very if you good don't like it, go get 10. Because you'll grow to value yeah. the things that make you think, I hate being a landlord. This is too hard. If it creates wealth for you mm -hmm. and it creates financial freedom for you, was it really too hard? No. Totally it's kind of like it's kind of like, you know, working out. Like we talked about last week, I started the 75 hard program. Is it fun? No. I hate most minutes of my two 45-minute workouts a day. I'm like, everything hurts. I'm out of breath. I want to get off this bike, you know. But when you start seeing the results and you lose weight, it's like, okay. The pain was worth the reward. Yeah. And that's the thing. Don't stop at one or two or three or four because there's pain, because you have a tenant you can't get out. All of this is just a little pain on the way to growth. Personally, um, grit that you will develop to help you get through those challenges that make you say, I hate it. And then ultimately financial freedom, which, which all these little headaches are, are well worth the beauty of what we create, right? Yeah, there you go. We will leave episode one on that. Thank you very much, Anna. You're welcome.